Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hello there and welcome, episode number 43 of the podcast. We're coming to you live from the bunker, deep in the heart of solitary confinement, isolation. Times are funny at the moment, I hope you're all doing good and I hope you're staying on top of things and you're keeping your mood up and doing the best you can. This week's podcast is going to be a lot better than last week's one. I was not happy with last week's one when I listened back to it. Been perfectly honest, it was put together a bit last minute, it was rushed, and I thought when I listened to it back that that came across and I wasn't that pleased with it. But this week's is going to be better. I like to try and hold myself to high standards. Something I probably haven't told you before, actually. There was one time I recorded a podcast and I had been speaking for 38 minutes. And at the end of 38 minutes, finished up the podcast, and without even listening to it back, I just went, that was terrible. Wasn't feeling it. Deleted. Deleted the whole thing and started from scratch. So that day I think about spent about a whole half day recording the podcast, but I was much happier with how it came out in the end. I think it's important to hold yourself to high standards. If a job is worth doing, it's worth doing right. So yeah, I wasn't that pleased with last week's one. Um but yeah, it's I've over the last few years I've really kind of got into that mindset of do it properly and do it right if you're doing it at all and be better than everybody else that's out there and be the best you can be and really put 100% into something if you're doing it and that's what's going to move you forward and that's what's going to gain you a good reputation. There was actually another thing that came into my mind when I was thinking about this. I went to a speaker school, Jerry Duffy, some of you might have heard him, I've mentioned him on the podcast before. Jerry Duffy has helped me with my speaking over the last couple of years and I went to the speaker school at one stage which Jerry runs. Now with the speaker school it's very limited so it's pretty exclusive I suppose there's only 12 speakers in the room and you've got to get up and you've got to present in front of those speakers as part of the day. You're there for the whole day and you're learning loads from Jerry and he's giving you loads of tips and advice but you've got to speak in the morning and then you're going to be analysed on that and then you go away and you take what you've learned from it and you come back in the afternoon and you've got to speak again. And obviously the objective is that you've learned along the way and the afternoon in theory is going to be better than the morning because you've talked the tips from Jerry, you've talked tips from other speakers in the room and then you take it away and you apply it and so on and so forth. And that day I was just so off form, I found it really, really difficult. I actually find, this is funny because before I went to the speaker school, the week before I had done an event where I'd spoke to a huge auditorium that was absolutely jam-packed, it was jammers, and it was one of the best gigs I ever did. And then I turned up and speaking to the group of 12 in the room, really, really struggled. And I find it so much more difficult to speak to smaller groups than I do sometimes to speak to bigger groups. It's I just find maybe it was the fact that it was other speakers in the room as well, maybe I was a little bit more conscious, and the fact that it was Jerry that was there analysing me as well, maybe I was a bit more conscious of things but um yeah that day I went away and I just I felt like I hadn't done myself justice at all I wasn't the worst in the room don't get me wrong I wasn't the worst in the room by any means but I felt like there was much more in me and I hadn't given it justice done myself justice the same as with last week's podcast I felt it could have been better and I was texting Jerry apologizing the next day and you know he was saying to me god you were really really good I don't you know there was certain things could be improved but I think you've been a little bit hard on yourself so understand, he's just a good guy, Jerry. Probably too good for his own own good at times. He's been too nice to me. I, I felt I knew myself. I could have done an awful lot better. So over the last couple of years, I've really tried to hold myself to those high standards because I think that is kind of what moves you forward. But something else that I find really interesting with Jerry is, I was actually just reading his book again over the last few days. He's one of his books was called The Goal Getter. So it's all about setting goals, how to set goals in different ways, how to reach your goals. And in the chapter I was reading yesterday, he was speaking about the importance of respecting your goals and giving them total respect. And this was what resonated with me with last week's podcast because Jerry was saying the difference between giving 100% to your goal and giving 95%, sometimes it's in those little 5% where it's won or lost. 
And I think that's what happened to me last week. I was 95% ready because I was going on the topics I knew. And I was going, yeah, I know what them inside out. But I hadn't really prepared it. I hadn't thought, how is this podcast going to run? What's the structure of it going to be? And I hadn't given it the full respect that it should have got. So that's possibly what happened last week. So look, the podcast, some of you probably didn't even notice, but I noticed because it's something that I try to hold myself to high standards. And when they're not there, I know when there's that 5% drop. So we're trying to get back on track this week. Last week's podcast was my 17 lessons from building a business that maybe you can apply to your life. So 17 ways to move your life forward. I gave you the first 10 last week. And I'm going to go through the other seven today. And maybe you're going to take something from it, hopefully. And maybe you can apply something to your own life. And remember, guys, it's not about taking everything I say. It's about taking one or two things that resonate with you and going, that's relevant to me. How could I apply that to myself, to my own situation? I'm only talking about myself when I speak on podcasts. When I speak, it's from my experience. It's stuff I've learned from both myself and from my clients and from people around me. And maybe that's going to resonate with you. So it's not me saying, you know, this applies to everybody. It's not that. It's me giving the benefit of my experience. And you might say, yes, I see myself in that. Okay. Let's get into it. So we get the top 10 last week. Number 11 today is limiting television time. Watching hours upon hours each week is wasted time. So limiting television time. The average American watches seven hours of television per day. That shocked me. I heard that on a Tony Robbins podcast during the week. The average American watches seven hours of TV per day. I don't know what the statistic is for Irish people, but I would guess it's probably something similar. Definitely between screen time, maybe not with television, but definitely between screen time, I would say it's something close to that. It's a shocking amount of time when you think about it. Seven hours a day. I just think it's so unproductive. Like, if you think about what's the opportunity cost? Like, I look at business and, again, my mentors over the years have always spoke to me about opportunity costs and they're advising me to drop certain parts of my business maybe the stuff where I am not all that productive that I'm doing a lot of work giving it a huge amount of time but not bringing in that much money and they'll say to me what's the opportunity cost of that what are you not doing that you could be doing instead of that and maybe the opportunity cost is something that's actually going to bring in more money for me so I think in terms of your television time thinking of it in the same way what's the opportunity cost what could be more productive use of those seven hours and that's probably pretty much everything, isn't it? It's pretty much everything. So your opportunity cost of watching television for seven hours, maybe it's your energy levels are low. Maybe your mood is low. There's no there's no maybe about that. If you're spending seven hours in front of screens every day, I can guarantee you your mood is a lot lower than it could be. You're not operating at your maximum. Your energy levels are a lot lower than they could be as well. You're probably not feeling all that great about yourself. If you were to look at alternative ways to spend that time, maybe it could be building a business. Maybe it could be working on a side project. Maybe it could be a creative project it could be learning how to play the guitar it could be doing a bit of gardening it could be taking up an art class it could be anything but something that's bringing something useful to your life it could be working on your fitness it could be working on your health again people will tell you all the time we don't have time everybody has time think about all those hours you're spending watching television how could you make better use of that time and you know this is not even a bad idea to take a pen and paper and start jotting this stuff down folks ask yourself that question the television time how much time am i spending watching television or watching screens if i'm being perfectly honest with myself how much time am i spending how much does it amount to And then what is better use of my time? What is something that I could do in those hours that would bring some value to me and maybe something that I'd enjoy? And it doesn't necessarily have to be what I'm talking about building a business. That's where most of my time goes. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. It can be minding your mental health. It can be getting up and getting out for a walk on the beach. It can be going for a run. It can be doing a hit class. Over the last few weeks, I've been doing HIIT workouts with some of my clients online because obviously we can't run regular classes and people can't get to their normal routines. They can't get to the gym. They can't get to their class. They can't do whatever. So I've been doing Facebook live workouts in a private group and it's just been amazing. And it's been amazing for me as well as for them. What's happened there for me is that 
I'm working all day long. I'm on the laptop all day. I'm still writing my book and it's taking up all my time. And again, it's what I've spoke about there. There's a lot of screen time, but I'm finding that when the evening comes, I do my Facebook live and mentally I feel amazing when it's done. My body's got moving, endorphins are flowing and I've got away from the laptop for a while and I just feel incredible. And I know what I'm saying there about being on the laptop all day is going against what I'm saying in terms of limiting screen time, limiting TV time. But it's a little bit different in that when I'm writing this book at the moment, that's doing something productive. That's building my business. I'm going to have a book out there come October. So it's not wasted time. It's not ideal because I don't want to be in front of the laptop all day, but it's still productive use of my time. And the way I'm looking at it is if I do that work now, when the summer comes and the sun is shining, hopefully I'll be able to get outside. So it's just kind of short term pain, long term gain. That's the way I'm looking at the moment. So here's the questions for you guys to consider. How much time are you spending per day in front of screens? And secondly, what would be better use of your time? It's amazing if you start writing those things down, getting into your own head. I bet you'll come up with a fair old list. So have a think about that, guys. That's number 11 is limiting television time, which kind of feeds into screen time, not just television. That's the world we live in today. Number 12, doing more than what's required or expected. So number 12 is doing more than what's required or expected. This is something anybody who has a successful business is going to tell you. This is something I have discovered myself over the years. Always, always, always in business, under promise and over deliver. Under promise, over deliver. Go that extra mile. That's what really makes the difference. That's what gets people loyal to you. That's what builds your reputation. And this is not about, again, doing something fake or doing something that's got ulterior motives. And it's not, again, trying to be the best business you can be in a way, because I think you've got to be very genuine about it. It's not putting on a false thing of, well, I'm going to go out and smile at people through having to do it to build a business. It's not about that. Like for me, it's always when people come in the door, if I'm running a fitness class, for example, Number one thing, have a chat with them, put them at ease, have a laugh with them, see what's going on in their life, have a conversation. And I think you've got to be that sort of person. That doesn't work if you're faking it because people see right through that. But always to me, like my job if I'm running a fitness class is to turn up and run a fitness class. That's all it is. My job is to stand there from seven to eight o'clock, put on a fitness class and that's it. But I don't look at it as that because I think they're the people who fail in business. And those people don't have the personality to do that sort of a job. So for me, it's not that. It's having a conversation. When people come in, make sure you speak to everybody. Make sure you know everybody's name. Make sure you have a laugh with people. Make sure you have time to have that chat with them. And it doesn't have to be about about work or about fitness. It can be about everything and anything. It can be if they've been on holidays, how was your holiday? The same as any normal human being would. Have a conversation with people. That's what it's about. So it's going that extra mile. It's showing that you actually care. And it's always, always, always over deliver. So never under deliver, always over deliver. Go that extra mile as much as you can. I think they're the people that do well in business and in life. It's not only in business because your reputation builds by going the extra mile. When you actually go out of your way to help people or you go out of your way to smile at people or just to have a quick word at people or to say hello to people, it's even just respecting everybody as much as anything as well. I think when you go into your local shop, having that, you know, getting to know the person that's behind the counter and saying hello to them and showing them that they're actually worth something and that you actually care about them and that you genuinely respect them and you appreciate what they're doing and showing them the time of day and just having a conversation with them. And it's so, so appreciated. And I think you walk away and people go, well, he's a good guy, you know, or she's a good girl, you know. So it's always, I think, being genuine is always the, the most important thing. But absolutely, under promise, over deliver, showing interest in people. Don't be all about yourself. I think that's the worst thing you can possibly do. I was listening to a, a podcast yesterday, actually. It wasn't a podcast. It was an Instagram live. And I just, one thing that really resonated with me, the guest that was on, he was asked a question and he turned it into something that it really wasn't. He turned it into something that was about himself. 
and he started talking about himself and how great he was and his experience. And I was just thinking, that's not the question you were asked. That's not bringing benefit to the people that are watching. Nobody's gaining from that, only your ego. And it really, really was an ego answer. So I think it's getting away from that and it's caring about the people that you are working with or the people that are around you. And it's how can you help them? Always over, over delivered. So under promise, over deliver. That's something that's come, come to me over the last few years. Really, really learn that. It's very, very important. It's what's going to put your business out there on its own if you're a business person because 90% of people are not doing it. They're going the other way. They're marketing everything and promising the world. And then what they actually come up with is short of that. So go the go the opposite way. Under promise, over deliver. Okay, so that's number 12. Doing more than what's required or what's expected. But not only actually, do you know, sorry, I was going to finish there, but something has popped into my head. Not only does that build your reputation and build your business, that benefits you as well. Because I think you get used to getting, going the extra mile, but you become the sort of person who changes your mindset. You become the sort of person who's going to work harder and who actually... I suppose, embraces work and you get a better work ethic from that because you get used to going the extra bit further. So you expect it of yourself. So your own standards level up as well. It's not just the people that you're bringing benefit to. It's actually bringing benefit to you as well. So the whole knock-on effect from that. Okay, we've 17 tips. We're going into number 13 now. Number 13 is listen more. Listen more. It's a skill that's very underutilized, folks. I see this a lot in my line of work. It is so underutilized. What I say is listen to understand, not to be understood. Listen to understand, not to be understood. What I mean by that is this. A vast, vast majority of people in a conversation are thinking about what they're going to say next. They're not listening to hear what the person they're speaking to is saying. They're not listening to what the other person is saying. They're listening so that they're thinking about what am I going to come in with next? How do I get my opinion across here? How do I talk about me? That's what a lot of people are doing. So listen to understand, not to be understood. When you listen to understand, it's about holding space. It's letting people talk. It's really listening to what they're saying. Really, really listen to what the problem is so that you can understand it. Then you can help. This is what great coaching is about. So many coaches have things pre-planned and they have their questions lined and we're going to stick to this rigidly. Person's going to answer the questions. I'm going to figure it out from there. And they're really just thinking about the next question. That's not what great coaching is about. Great coaching is listening to what the person is saying. And then you start to understand what the issue is. You start to understand what the problem is. I'm coming from a coaching perspective on this, but this is relevant for everybody in all walks of life. We can all take this on board. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to understand and then to help. Not to push your own, your own opinions. Not for self-serving purposes. That's what I find a lot of conversations are. It's people waiting so they can tell you about me, tell you how great I am, tell you about my opinions, tell you about the things I'm doing, tell you about how impressive I am. That's not bringing value to a conversation. So one of the great things about coaching that a lot of great coaches don't understand is the concept of holding space. Holding space is letting the person talk. They're coming to you because they've got a problem. They're coming to you because they need help with something. What my opinions are, are not that relevant. For me, it's helping them to figure out the problem, helping them to verbalize the problem. Sometimes verbalizing it is actually the answer in itself. I've had situations where I've sat down, have a conversation with people and they're stressed or they're worried about something. And this thing has been really, really building up in their mind and they really need a solution to it. And they're, they're really fretting over it, I suppose. And there's times they're going away 45 minutes later and they're saying to me, that was amazing. Fair play to you. That was brilliant. And in my head, I'm going, I didn't do anything. I just let you talk. That's all I did. I let you talk and you figured it out yourself. When you verbalize it, you start to come up with the answers yourself. So holding space is incredibly important rather than letting them speak and then jumping in with what I've got to say. 
Sometimes it's about holding space and it's letting them keep speaking, let them keep speaking. And soon they start to figure out once they're hearing themselves speak, speak, they're going, ah, that's what the problem is. Wait, now maybe this is the solution. And they'll keep, as they're thinking, they're almost speaking as they're thinking. And they're coming up with solutions themselves. And maybe then I'll put another little question to probe a little bit further on that. Or here's my thoughts on that. What do you think? So it's very much a conversation, but it's a conversation that's bringing benefit. And I think it's a conversation that we need to practice a little bit more in our everyday lives. So always, 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 first listen to understand, then listen to be understood. It's a two-way thing, but first listen to understand, then listen to be understood. Rather than jumping in with opinions and jumping in with a great your great life and all the rest, listen to people. It's one of the most fundamental aspects of business. I think, again, if you look at my business and I help people lose weight and help people with self-esteem and help people with confidence and all these sort of different things. But what I've got to do first is very much understand what the problem is. So if I don't do that, like when you see me promote my online course, for example, on social media, I'll very much talk about the things that I know are the issues for these people. But if I hadn't listened to these people, I don't know what their issues are. I'm going out guessing and I'm trying to promote a course on salesy kind of stuff that, you know, people don't like to be sold to. People don't like to be sold at all. But what they do like is that they know that you can understand where they're coming from and you can identify with their problems. So my expertise in that have very much come from listening to my clients and understanding exactly what their issues are. And then I can promote that because I know that this is relevant to the clients I've worked with. This is relevant to the people that are out there suffering at the moment that need my help. So it's always about first and foremost, listen to understand, then listen to be understood. Okay, so that is number 13. I hope that makes sense. Bit of a roundabout way of saying that, but I hope it makes sense. Right, let's power on. Number 14. I'm not going to spend time, actually, I'm not going to spend too much time speaking on the next two points because I think I've done them to death at this stage. You know them pretty well. Number 14 is spend time with positive, energetic, ambitious people. I speak about this every week nearly in the podcast, so I'm not going to go too deep on this. But you know it by now, guys, the people around you make a massive, massive, massive impact on your lives. If the people around you are constantly negative, you need to move away from those people. You need to start dropping them. And I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but Gary V, Gary V is one of my heroes, Gary Vaynerchuk. One of the things he always says is drop one of your friends and replace them with someone better <laughs> he's so blunt i love it he's so blunt but it's so so true drop one of your friends and replace them with someone better and he's talking about dropping the ones that are bringing nothing to your life the one, you know go back to the previous point we spoke about conversations the ones that are constantly moaning that don't want to hear what you've got going on they don't want to hear anything good that doesn't interest them that doesn't interest them at all because all they want to do is gossip and all they want to do is complain and all they want to do is talk about this terrible coronavirus and all they want to do is talk about all the things they're deprived about and poor me and I've got to be locked up in isolation. They don't give a shit about the thousands of people that are dying. They look at themselves and their terrible circumstances. They have no sense of perspective whatsoever. Those people don't get my time anymore because they're not bringing anything to you. Look, this is in social media as well. I've wrote this chapter in my book recently, or actually I wrote a paragraph about it in my book when I was, I'm doing my new book at the moment, as I mentioned. One of the paragraphs I've been writing about recently was the people around you. And what I compared this to social media was if you were invited to a party of a thousand people and those thousand people are sat there complaining and moaning and just completely negative, would you stay at the party or would you leave? Would you stay or would you leave? What do you think, guys? Stay, leave better options out there. Social media is the same. A lot of you, that's your circle on social media. It's the exact same thing, but you're not sitting in the room with them, but you're seeing everything they're saying and you're consuming it all. And it's the exact same thing. So why not leave that party? 
That's the way I look at it. Unfollow. Hit the unfollow button. So that is number 14. Spend time with positive, energetic, ambitious people. They're the people that drive you forward. They're the people that are good to be around. They're the people that are going to give you a better quality of life. And you're going to bring something better to their life because you're going to improve with them. Okay? So that's number 14. 15. Nearly there. It's another one I've spoken about at length, so I'm not going to go too deep on it either. 15 is having a strong why. That becomes your driving force. What's your why? Why is this thing important to you? Why is it important to do it? What difference is it going to make to your life? What difference is it going to make to your family? What difference is it going to make to the people around you? How is it going to improve you? So what's your why? Whatever the thing is that you're going to have to figure that out. If you figure that out, you're well on your way. And the problem for a lot of people, again, is that they don't take the time to figure that out. They just start into the journey without really looking at the reasons for it or what the why is behind it or why is it important to do it. When I was running my marathon in 2017... There was something that happened on that marathon. I've maybe mentioned this before as well. I'm not sure, but we'll go for it anyway. I was doing a marathon. I decided I was going to do the Dublin Marathon. Not been a natural runner. It was just a mental challenge of it. And I thought, yeah, let's see how far I can push myself. I'm going to enjoy that. But not the type of training I love, been perfectly honest. So enrolled for the marathon, got myself signed up and started into my training. When I started telling people I was doing it, a couple of people from my classes decided they were going to sign up with me. Initially, there was four or five. As with most things tough in life, a couple dropped off once they realised what was involved. So the five, I think, that started out became three. I say started out, they didn't start out. They verbally said they were going to do it, but they never showed up when, when it was time to train. So it was three, myself and two others that were there at the end. So there was two women signed up with me who were in the classes. As we went on and we were committed to it, we were doing our training, the miles were going up, things were starting to get a little bit tougher. And then we had a bit of a shocker along the way. One of the women was diagnosed with cancer. And that totally changed my perspective on everything. Because her life obviously was suddenly thrown into chaos, thrown into a mess. One day you're cruising along, everything is good. You've got a great family. You've got good job. You're loving your classes. She was fit as a fiddle. She was so strong. She was in great shape. She was, I suppose she had been getting into her marathon, or not her marathon. She had been getting into her running for a couple of years. And then she decided the marathon. Because obviously I had said I was going to do it. And maybe she's like, well, this is the time for me so as well. Because why not? I'm kind of at that level if I'm putting it off. But maybe now is the time. And her training was going really well. She was on top of things. I mean, her life was fantastic. And then she was diagnosed with cancer. And what happened then, obviously, she couldn't do the marathon. I'm happy to say she's made a complete full full recovery, guys. Just to clarify that before we go any further. She's back as good as ever now, good as new. And she's absolutely flying and doing great again, thankfully. But at the time, she couldn't compete. In, she couldn't do her marathon, despite all the work that had gone into it. She couldn't do it, obviously. So my perspective on everything changed then. My why became so, so strong. From that day, I decided I was running the marathon for the Irish Cancer Society. And now there was a charity behind me and there was a personal story behind me and there was somebody driving me on in my mind. Every time I was out doing my tough runs, she came into my head. It was that case where there was there were several occasions like where I was out doing the long run. You're up doing your 18, 20 miles and things are tough. And it's a slog at that stage. Like No matter what anybody tells you, it's not fun. It's not fun at that stage. It's it's fine till you get to kind of 15, 16K. Once you go beyond that, it gets it gets tough. Those last few miles are the tough ones. And so many times I was doing that run and it'd be raining and you'd be going up a hill or whatever. And it'd be so tough. But she'd come into my head. And every time I just think she would love to be in my position now. Like she would give anything to swap places with me. And no matter how low I had felt at that point in terms of my energy levels or how tough the run had been, it always gave me such a surge of energy. I'd find it like I thought I was nearly gone, that my run was nearly done and I'd, she'd pop into my head. And the next thing I'd find myself powering up a hill and there could be wind in my face and there could be rain in my face. And I'd be at the top of the hill and I'd realise there's still so much more in me. And that's the power of a strong why. 
That's the power of a strong why. So you need to figure out your why. What's the reason for you doing this thing? Why is it important? There was never a chance I wasn't going to finish that marathon. Even though, as I said, I wasn't a runner. I wasn't a natural runner. And it was the first marathon I'd ever done. It was never, ever an option not to complete it. Because there was a couple of strong whys for me. Number one was that colleague that was meant to be running it with me. I was going to cross the line for her. And I didn't care if I had to crawl over that line. I was getting over that line. No matter how tough it was, nothing was going to stop me. And the other why I had was the Irish Cancer Society. Because now it was very irrelevant to me. Sometimes you hear about these charities and they don't become... You know they're important and you know they're making a difference to people's lives, but they don't become all that relevant to you until it's linked closely to you via a person that's been affected. So that was what happened for me because I was going, the person that was close to me that was meant to be running with me, there's other people in her boat. There's thousands of people that are the same as her and their families have been impacted in the way I've been impacted as well and seeing a loved one or somebody that's close to you in that situation. So now I was realising this is more than just me. This is something that's bigger than me. So I've got to do it for all these people. This is why it's important. So that's number 15, guys, is having a strong why. And that becomes your driving force. So I hope that makes sense to a few people. Two to go. Two to go. Number six is commit to lifelong learning. Commit to lifelong learning. The day you stop learning is the day you're finished. I really do believe that. If you're a business person in life, I think your brain starts to... It's like, it's like a muscle starts to waste away if you're not using it. So commit to lifelong learning. Every day is a school day and you can learn something from every person you meet. I really do believe that as well. You can learn something from every person you meet. No matter how high up you, how high up you go in life, you can still learn from somebody who has seemingly an awful lot less. I think we can all learn from everybody you meet. So if you're open to learning, you're going to learn from people. Everybody can teach you something. Good example here. Work experience. You know, I've spoke to people over the years who wanted to come and work experience with me. And I don't really do that sort of stuff because these days my business has changed a lot. I run the odd class and stuff still. I do it from an enjoyment perspective. But most of my business now is in speaking and it's an online course. So I work from home. I've been at at home and I get contacted by work experience students and their kids. And they're saying, can I come and do work experience with you? I've been following you for a while. I'd love to learn from you. I'd love to do work experience. And I'm going, look, I love your enthusiasm. But no, <laughs> and and I don't mean that in a bad way, but no, look, I don't really do that because I work from home and it would literally be me just typing on a screen and doing up notes and doing presentations myself and you watch me typing. You're not going to learn anything really from that. You're going to learn more by following my content and seeing what I do there than actually seeing the back stuff because that's really just discipline. So they, they'll say to me they want to work with me because they admire me and they like what I do. But I think sometimes... You could go somewhere else and even if you don't have a great work experience, you're not learning from somebody who's amazing, which is the ideal scenario, by the way. Please do that if you can. But even if you don't have a great work experience, you're going to learn because you're going to learn how not to do it. And I've seen this a lot over the years as well. I've been in jobs where I've learned how not to do it. Believe you me, I've been in jobs where I've learned how not to do it. And it stood me in good stead because now I'm going, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do what he did or what she did. I don't want to be them. That's not good leadership. That's not a good way to run your business. That's a good way to isolate customers. That's a good way to isolate staff. And it just doesn't build a good team morale. So I think if you're somebody who's in work experience and maybe you go into a gym, for example, and the person you're learning from is not very good at what to do, maybe they're slouching around, maybe they're on their phone while they're working with clients, you're going to pick up on that stuff. And you're going to see that it's not having an impact and it's not creating a great connection with the client. And then you're going to go, I'm not going to do that. That's not working very well. But you pick up so much stuff. So whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, ultimately is down to what you decide. Because the lens that we view through the world, the lens through which we view the world is how we experience the world. So we can decide that was a terrible work experience and I didn't learn anything from it. Or we can say, well, what he did or what she did wasn't great. 
that's not a good way to run a business. That's not a good way to be a coach. That's not bringing much value to the client at all. So I'm not going to make those mistakes. So what am I going to do instead? So you can figure it out yourself if you're intelligent about it and if you're open to learning. So yeah, bringing myself back to lifelong learning. I try to learn from every client I work with. Everybody's got a different set of challenges. Everybody's got a different set of circumstances. And for me, it's adapting to those challenges and it's adapting to those circumstances. It's helping those guys then to find a solution. And then when I see this challenge arising again, I typically know the answer with the next client that comes up. So you have to be open to learn it. Very much a lot of time, I think people work with clients and maybe they'll figure out the solution or maybe the clients will figure out the solution. Who knows? But they don't really take it on board. They don't ingrain it in the brain and they don't say, well, they don't they don't ask questions. They don't say, how am I going to figure this out a better way the next time it comes up? How am I going to come up with a better response the next time it happens? So when you ask those hard questions of yourself, you prepare yourself and you improve your knowledge and you can bring more value then again to the next client that comes up that has a similar, similar issue. But you've got to be willing to learn from the lessons, figure out what it is. And when you do that, everybody benefits again. Something I touched on last week that I'm not going to go too in-depth again was reading books every day. That's a big, big part of my daily ritual. I read every single day. Most times it'll be in the morning. I'll read for 45 minutes to an hour. And again, I'm learning from people who have done what I want to do. It's funny because when people ask you who's the biggest influence on your life, everybody says, oh, well, my parents or whoever, you know, and that's obviously huge. I mean, my parents are a big influence on my life as well, so I'm not, I'm not discarding that for one moment. But what I would say beyond that has been the biggest influence for me is reading books. So the biggest influences on me are actually people that I don't know, believe it or not. People that I don't know have had the biggest impact on my life. You can say college, and to a point, yes, but the vast majority of my learning has not been through academic stuff. It hasn't been through academic stuff. It's been through practical stuff, and it's been through reading books myself in my own time. College is, college is not the finishing point. College is the starting point. And maybe even not college, it could be school. I know not everybody goes through college. So whatever your level of education is, it's not the day you walk out of the classroom that you're finished. And I think that's the biggest mistake a lot of people make. It's That's not the day you're finished, that's the day you start. If you're really serious about getting to where you want to be, if it's the top of your profession, is the goal and that's what you want to do, or you want to be even the best in your town, that's your starting point. That's not your end point. It's reading every day for me. It's learning every day. I read a book. I'm constantly underlining stuff so I can come back and take the key points from it. And when I finish a book, then I'm writing again. I'm going, what did I learn from that book? What were the key takeaways from it? So it's not just reading a book and discarding it. It's taking the lessons from it. So I'm always, always looking to learn. And I think that's fundamentally important if you want to move yourself forward in business or in life, especially in business. If you're self-employed, I think it's non-negotiable. I think it's something everybody should be doing, being honest. And if you're not doing, like they say 95% of businesses go out of business within the first five years. I guarantee you those people are not reading. I guarantee you they're not reading. I'm just going to leave that there. You can do what you want with it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, beyond reading, learning on the job, I think is fundamentally important as well. I've just saying I'm a bit of a pracademic rather than academic. So yes, I've got my academic qualifications behind me, but practical learning is what's really, really going to move you forward, I believe. And I think a lot of people don't do that because I think they're afraid to fail. I think that's maybe the big thing. People are so concerned about things not working out. It just it baffles me at times. I just think, just do it. You'll figure it out as you go. You don't need to know everything. You just need to take the first step. You don't need to know everything. You, you'll figure it out as you go. What you need to do is take action because from action comes momentum. And then things might not be perfect, but you learn as you go and then you start to apply and you start to adapt and you start to change things and things will become better as you go. My online courses weren't perfect at the start. I think we're among the best in the country now because I've learned and I've figured things out. Well, this works, but this didn't work so well. So how am I going to do it a little bit differently the next time? But the only way you're going to learn is actually by trying things and actually by failing. Failing is big, big, big part of the learning process. 
It's a big part of success. Every success story has huge failures in it as well. But the only reason there's failures is because people are willing to try things. Like I would rather have a huge failure rate but be successful at the end than never ever try and have a 100% record of never failing. That's 90% of people. They have this great record of never failing but they've never failed because they've never tried. So they're in this... I suppose this thing where it's just every single day the same old, same old, same old and they're complaining about their lives and they're not happy but they're not doing anything about it. So it's a groundhog day where I'm just going to go and I can tell people I've never failed at anything and I've never embarrassed myself or I've never had any public failure and I'm fantastic. But what have you actually achieved? So the people that have actually achieved things have failed several times. I promise you that. So sometimes it's even a case of just throwing mud at a wall and seeing what sticks. That's part of the learning process. So an awful lot of what you're throwing at the wall is not going to stick and it's going to fail. But one or two things are going to stick and that's going to bring you success and that's going to move you forward. So don't be afraid to fail. Try things out. Lifelong learning, but practical learning. Same with public speaking. Nobody's a good public speaker starting off. You've just got to get up there and you've got to do it. And you've got to be prepared to put yourself out there. That's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. There's nothing easy about stepping up on a stage in front of people, especially when you haven't done it before. You're probably not going to be fantastic. Like, that's the reality. But that's okay. And just being okay with that and saying, well, you know what? Nobody's perfect to start with. And if I'm going up there doing my first talk, let's just be open about it. Let's just tell people this is my first talk. And they're not expecting you to be fantastic. So anything you do, people are just going to say, you know what? Fair play to them for getting up there and having a go. That's certainly what I would be saying. And that's what I'd be saying to people now. And people that are thinking about speaking, I say to them, just do it. Just do it. You don't have to be perfect, but be open to learn. Don't get up there and be egotistical and come back down thinking, well, I was absolutely fucking brilliant today, wasn't I? <laughs> and taking nothing from it, whereas the rest of the room are going, you know, it's his first time, we'll give him a chance. <laughs> you know, so be self-aware as well. Like, it's absolutely okay to be perfect. Or Sorry, to be, it's it's actually perfect to be, be okay with being a beginner. That's what I want you to do. Be okay with being a beginner. Be okay with not being perfect. But do be self-aware enough to take the lessons and where you can improve as well. So practical learning on the job. Again, it's the same with the podcast. Everything again, I've learned as a go. What works? What doesn't work? What was I good at at the beginning? What was I terrible at the beginning? What do I need to change? Figuring out as I go. I'm still a long way from perfect, but I'm trying. As, as Anthony Joshua would say, I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. That's all you can really do, isn't it? Okay. Um... Let's move it on. So last tip, number 17. This has gone on a little bit longer than I thought. thought I'd only seven, seven points to give you and we're still here. Number 17, not giving in to fear. Not giving in to fear. This is probably one of the most important ones I can leave you with, to be honest, because people so live in fear. And it's going back to our last point, I suppose, as well, is that fear of failure. But not giving in to fear. Getting outside of the comfort zone is where the magic happens. It's incredibly hard, but it's also incredibly empowering. And again, what we're saying previously about the people who achieve things, those people are the ones that are pushing out of the comfort zone. The ones that achieve extraordinary things. The Richard Bransons of this world, they have really, really pushed out of a comfort zone. They're not sitting here going, I'll just sit back and see what happens and be happy with my small little business and see. No, they're going, I want to do bigger. I have more imaginative ideas. There's more benefit I can bring to the general public. There's more I can do to put my business out there to move me forward. So moving out of a comfort zone, I'm speaking in a business context here, it's the same in life. If you want to improve the quality of your life, do uncomfortable things. Because the more you do them, the more you get comfortable with them. And then they become easier and you've brought more value to your life and to other people's lives. And you start to move yourself forward again. But fear is what holds most people back, I think. And really, what is fear? I think fear, fear comes from not knowing. It comes from not knowing. And as humans, we're conditioned for certainty and for comfort. We like those things. We like certainty. We like comfort. And you've heard this phrase, nobody likes change. Or people are always uncomfortable with change. It's because we like certainty. We like to know that things are going to do per go perfectly. Our natural instinct is to be safe. The, 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 
the purpose of our brain or what our brain is designed to do is to keep us safe and to keep us well. So therefore, moving out of comfort zones comes a little bit alien to it. It's not that natural. It's not our human nature to say, let's get out there and do hugely dangerous things. Let's go and take risks. It's not our natural kind of thought process to do that. Our natural instinct is to keep ourselves safe. So it takes a little bit of work, but you can train your brain to do it. You most definitely can. And as I said, the more you do it, the more you become okay with it. So try and move away from that real reliance on certainty and on comfort. Because that reliance is holding you back. When you are prepared to get uncomfortable. It's funny, I had a conversation with the guy last week. I should probably mention this actually while he comes into my head. Another guy who I met about a year ago and he was setting up a coaching business. And we spoke and he was asking me just for tips and ideas and stuff. But he was still working his full-time job. He's been working this job since he was in school and he set up this, I might get him on the podcast at some stage actually, he set up the, you know, he set up his coaching business because he was getting very into it and he had started studying psychology and different things and last week he contacted me and I got a, I got a WhatsApp message from him, he said, would you be able to take a call tomorrow? And I said, yeah, no problem at all. He's getting in touch with me occasionally when he, when he needs a bit of help. So he rang me last week and we had this conversation and I thought, you know, he's probably just looking for a few ideas and whatever and he rings me and he said, um, well, things have changed a little bit at my end. I've left my job. I was going, wow, wow. He's left his job. And it reminded me, reminded me of myself a little bit. I've told you the story before. I left my job in the middle of the last recession. This guy's just left his job to set up his coaching business at a time when, again, the coronavirus is rampant. Things are difficult for people. There's probably another recession on the way. And he's been brave and he's tucked the bull by the horns. And I love that attitude. And he's going out there and he's just going after it because he's passionate about it. And he's gone and he's took on a big challenge and he's doing some stuff. You know what? We'll get him on to chat at some stage about the challenge and different things as well. But he's going out there and he's going after his dreams and he's going after his goals. And he could have stayed in that comfort zone where he was and stayed in his full-time job. But he's decided he wants more than that from life. So he's gone out and he's chased it. And I love that. I think he's going to do well. So that is a take-home message today as well, guys. Push out of the comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. And I think it's, it's an attitude that's going to serve you well. I always look at what's the worst case scenario. That's become my philosophy as well. What's the worst that can happen? You know, what is the worst that can happen? Very often, most of the time, we overplay it in our minds. We go worst case scenario and we're thinking about, you know, being homeless on the street and all this sort of stuff. That we, you know, Our mind gets totally runs away with ourselves. We start imagining things that are never going to happen for a lot of us. So what is the worst case scenario? And if the worst case scenario happens, can you deal with that? That's the question I ask. What's the worst case scenario? And if that happens, can you deal with it? And if the answer is yes, then you're ready. Push out of the comfort zone. If the answer is no, don't do it. My uh, my thinking again, when I left my, my job, decided to set up my own business, that was something I thought about. What is the worst case scenario here? Now, there's a couple of things just to put this in context for you. It was recessionary times. I had a full-time job. I had a mortgage to pay and it was covering the mortgage. Most of the country was unemployed. I asked myself, what's the worst case scenario here if this doesn't go well? Worst case scenario, right? I'm going to move out of my house, which is the mortgage to pay. I'm going to rent it out. And I'm going to move back in with my parents. That's the worst case scenario. I'm not going to be homeless on the street. I'm not going to be living in a cardboard box. Whatever. That's not going to happen. Worst case scenario. If my business fails. Which please God it won't. I'm going to rent out my house. I'm going to move back in with my parents. Because I'm going to swallow my pride. Because I don't care what people think. I was 27 at the time. I was going. No 27 year old wants to move back home. Of course they don't. But if it comes to it. I'm going to move back home. And you know what? My mammy will cook for me and all will be good. So what? what's the worst case scenario? So it's just said, that's what's going to happen. Like if the absolute worst comes to the worst, that's what's going to happen. Can I deal with that? 
Yes, I can. That's not a major problem. I can deal with that. There's people with far bigger problems in the world. So asking that question again, what's the worst case scenario? And if that worst case scenario happens, can I deal with it? And if the answer is yes, then do it. Get out of your comfort zone. Feel the fear and do it anyway. That's one of my favorite phrases. There's a book about that. Feel the fear and do it anyway. So that was my thoughts when I set up a business. If it fails, if it comes to worst case, can I deal with it? And I decided I could. So I pushed out of my comfort zone. And that's what I continually try and do now. And it's the same when I get up and I speak. I thought when I was setting up my speaking company as well. Speaking company, same company I suppose it is. Yeah, but when I was setting up a speaking business and I was going out speaking, it was the same thing. I had a real, real, real fear of public speaking. And I took on that scenario as well. What's the worst going to happen? But also, what's the best that's going to happen? If I can get up and speak and I can conquer my fear, the benefits on the other side are massive. And I get my message out to hundreds and thousands of people. Worst case scenario, I get up on stage that first time and I freeze. And things go absolutely terribly. And I make a holy show of myself. Do you know what I thought? I thought, so what? So what? If I make a show of myself, things don't go well. What does it matter? The first gig I do, I did for free. 120 people turned up. I hadn't prepared for that, by the way. I thought it was going to be a handful. 120 people turned up. But I was doing it for free. So what did I really have to lose? These people weren't paying me to... These people weren't paying to see me speak. I didn't really owe them anything. So if I get up on stage and I freeze and I'm terrible, I haven't lost anything. I'm going to get off stage again and I'm still in the same position. I'm still doing the same things. I'm still running my business. I'm just not going to be a speaker. Easy. So you need to weigh it up. Don't let your mind run away with you. Keep it in context. Worst case scenario, what is it? If that happens, can I deal with it? That's my motto when I talk about pushing out of comfort zones. So I hope that has helped a few people today, guys. That's my last seven lessons today. I better recap them because I've been going on for 41 minutes and I thought I was kind of in for a 20-minute job today. So I'm going to recap them for you before I finish up. I gave you the top 10 last week, which I was not happy with. So I think last this week's has been a little bit better, hopefully. So the, the few lessons from today... In at number 11, they're not in any particular order, by the way, I just listed my top seven, 17 lessons from building a business over the last two weeks. So number 11, limiting television time, limiting screen time. Number 12, doing more than what's required or expected. Number 13, listening more. So the, the key take home from that one was first listen to understand and then listen to be understood. Number 14, spend time with positive, energetic, ambitious people. Number 15, having a strong why. Number 16, commit to lifelong learning. And number 17, the last one, was not given into fear. So that's my 17 lessons. I hope you've enjoyed them and I hope you've found something useful from it. I'm just going to plug something else before I finish, folks. And again, it's free, so don't switch off yet. I'm thinking this Friday coming, I'm going to do a Facebook Live. My concept is tea with AWC. Do you like that? tea with AWC. So we sit down and have a cup of tea and we have a chat. I'm doing Facebook live workouts over the last couple of weeks, which is a totally different thing. It's high intensity and we're training and it's go, go, go. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice to sit down and just have a chat and answer a few questions and maybe bring some of the podcast stuff to Facebook and maybe Instagram even at some point. So tea with AWC. I'm going to stick on the kettle, sit down, have a cup of tea, have a chat with you guys, answer some of your questions all log in at the same time, which is going to be Friday evening at 7 o'clock. I want you to log into Facebook, come on to my page, Alan Williams Coaching, and I'm going to go live. And I'm going to answer some of the questions that have come in. And this week, I'm going to speak about staying in shape during COVID-19. Because this is one I have been inundated with questions on. So I'm going to answer some of those questions to the public. But I want you to come on and I want you to chat with me and engage with me and ask some of your questions there. And let's get to know each other a little bit better because there's a lot of people listening to the podcast that I've never, ever met. So I'd love you to come on and have a chat with me. Facebook Live, 
Friday evening, 7 o'clock, this coming Friday, 7 o'clock, I want you to log on and we're going to do tea with AWC and I'm going to chat a little bit about staying in shape. And I hope you like that idea, that concept, because I'm excited about it. And I'd be devastated if nobody turns up. So please log in and chat to me. That's it for this week, guys. I hope you've enjoyed that. And I will speak to you again on Friday, not next, not next week's podcast. I'm speaking to you on Friday on Facebook. Come and join me. Chat to you soon.